Thanks and welcome to Ask BBB. And joining me as co-host this morning is Chris Lavoie. He's the operations manager at BBB Serving Western Ontario. Thanks, Jim. Good morning, all. Chris has been with the BBB Serving Western Ontario for over a decade and as operations manager has a broad spectrum overview of the BBB's activities. We're going to be talking about advertising today. Yes, and accredited businesses adhere to advertising standards set out by the BBB. Later on this morning, we'll look at some of the highlights of the standards and what it means to both businesses and consumers. And our guest this morning is going to help us explore advertising from his perspective as a representative of Chorus Radio Advertising Consultant. We welcome DJ Williams. Good morning, DJ. Well, hi, Jim, and thank you, Chris. So, DJ, let's first get a little of your background in radio and in radio advertising. Well, it goes back uh, to the year 1969, I think, when my uh, uh, mother and father uh, brought me into the world. And uh, my father was a disc jockey at the time, and my mom was working at the same radio station as the music librarian. This particular radio station. This particular radio station. AM 980. And your dad was the tall one, Dick Williams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, well, we all thought that they called you DJ because he was, but that wasn't really the case. It wasn't, actually. My my name stands for Dennis Jason, and it was my mom's maiden name. You uh, offer a book, DJ, called Soundbait on your website, uh, and your website is London Radio Marketing. And the, the it focuses on radio and radio advertising, but do some of the principles in that booklet apply to advertising in general? Absolutely, it does. Uh, as much as I've been a fan of radio my whole life, I'm also a really big fan of all of the other different ways out there to advertise your business, whether it be television, newspaper, social media, billboards. Um, I'm a big fan of good advertising and doing it right. The chapter, Good Old Days of Radio, makes reference to this radio station and your dad, the tall one, Dick Williams. You've written about people's reaction to the radio personalities of the 60s. Recall some of that for us now. So back in the day, it was amazing. On a Saturday morning, if a disc jockey from the local radio station was at a furniture store or a car dealership, you'd actually see people coming to the dealership just to meet the radio personality because they perceived them to be as big of a star as the Beatles or someone like that. They were the ones introducing the music. They were an authority and people wanted to come and shake their hand, and it was amazing to see. And that was always really inspirational to see the power of local radio. Uh, and, of course, at that time, there weren't as many radio stations available as, as there are now. Uh, well, let's look at what radio is today. Um, you use the term sound bait uh, mm-hmm. uh, in your book. Uh, tell us a bit about that. What, what uh, does that word mean, and, and did you coin that? Well, I did coin that, yes. It was uh, something I think I came up in the shower one day when I was trying to think about naming the book. Um, To me, I always looked at at, uh, radio advertising as almost like going on a fishing expedition where um, if you're a business owner and you're trying to put an offer out there to the general public, it's like casting a fishing line out there with bait on the end of it. And the bait in our case is sound. It's, It's powerful advertising messages And you're trying to get the consumer to bite at the bait, which is the offer that your business is putting out there. So I like to use sound, and I thought it would be a great way to uh, use sound bait as a way to attract uh, consumers to offers that companies are putting out there. So you want to catch their attention. Absolutely. 
So yeah, obviously the internet has changed much of our world, and the impact has been felt by the whole advertising world. How has that impacted radio and radio advertising? Well, let's make it really clear. Radio, to me, is the original social media out there. It's just been evolutionized into today's society. Um, and radio has been very quick to embrace social media as well. We don't look at it as competition because AM980, for instance, is a news organization and people come to us for for news and information, whether it be through audio or visual. Um, it's a connection that we have with our audience. And so it's very important to us that that uh, we we embrace technology, not try and compete with it. So then when you're talking to a client and for the, the businesses that are listening right now, uh, do you look then at trying to balance what would they would do with radio with the other advertising they're doing? Absolutely. We just want to be uh, part of their marketing mix. Um, you know, there are some businesses, fortunately, out there that use radio 100% to get their message out. Um, but that's very rare in this day and age because there are so many other opportunities out there. So we really look at it as as how can radio maximize its strengths and that's what we like to put forward. We, we want to make sure that we can demonstrate the power of audio and the power of radio um, because it is a really large medium that, that relies on reach and frequency. Well, when you're talking about the, the older days, uh, it was a broadcast and the station appealed to all demographics. There used to be day portions. Yeah. When the when the tall one came on, mm -hmm. uh, they were appealing to teenagers, and at other times of the day, they might be appealing more to uh, a senior audience. Has radio kind of moved into niches for each of the stations? It definitely has, because you know, if you're trying to reach teenagers. Um, you probably don't, if you're a business, you don't want to buy a radio station that's running big band music, right? So you have to really target the audience that you want to speak to. And fortunately, there's lots of technology and ratings that you can reference to pick the audience that you're looking to reach and look at the uh, radio stations that appeal to that audience. Well, let's delve into that a little deeper right after we take a little pause here for some examples of radio advertising. Okay. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to Ask BBB, a weekly program produced by the Better Business Bureau serving Western Ontario. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Chris Lavoie. Chris is the operations manager at BBB serving Western Ontario and joins us this morning as co-host. And we're talking about advertising with DJ Williams, advertising sales consultant with Chorus Radio. In the chapter... On the radio food chain, your book points out to three stakeholders, the programmer entertainer, the advertiser who sponsors the program, and the listener. The third part of that chain, the listener, is there because of the entertainment, and the advertiser hopes that the listener will be moved by the, to buy the product or service. What should a sponsor know about those listeners? Well, they have to know when they're, when they're uh, placing an advertising message on that radio station, once again, they need to know who they're talking to. They need to know what what means something to them. They, you know, for instance, if if uh, this is an audience that is looking to buy oranges, and the grocery store has two for one oranges this week, they want to know that, and they want to know how great they're going to taste, how how fresh they're going to look, 
And that's that's theater of the mind, which is such an important part of radio, is putting an image and painting pictures for consumers and exciting people about their brand. It's it's just something that the more uh, persuasive and enthusiastic that you can make something will create a need for that product, service, or offer. You paint pictures with words. Mental with pictures, radio. right? Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we live in a world where everything can be visual, but... You know, back in the day that when there wasn't TV, you know, radio had to serve the, the dual purpose of that. Now, we hear when you talk about ads, we hear branding versus call to action. Can you just uh, – or direct response? Can yeah, you just... and it's a great question because, because people mistake the two. Um, branding has been a very trendy word to use the last few years. And branding to me often would mean that there's no offer. And if there's no offer – it makes it really hard to track or measure the results of a great marketing campaign. And in our business, I, I must be honest that over the years, I've approached a lot of businesses to do advertising with whatever radio station I've been a part of at that point. And I've heard, I tried radio and it didn't work. <laughs> and I'll often say to them, can I hear the ad that you ran? Because I'd love to hear what your offer was or your positioning statement or your strategy was. And more often than not, I'm I'm very disappointed or underwhelmed from what it was that they thought they were saying. So your book lists 40 questions that advertisers need to answer on the path to developing a compelling message. These would apply no matter what the medium the advertiser is using. Did you find some business owners are surprised by some of the questions and what questions give them some pause? Yes. Uh, well, I'm surprised and sometimes I'm not. A lot of the time when I'm dealing with a, a brand new advertiser maybe that I haven't worked with before, they come to me already with a script in mind or a, a, like a spot they've already written and they want immediate results. And sometimes it's like, calling their baby ugly when you have to <laughs> say to them, this isn't going to work. This I can tell you right now, it's not going to work. You're, you're, you're 10 steps ahead of yourself right now, assuming that your potential customers already know everything about you and your competitors and the industry that you're in, and you skip steps. It's very easy to do that and make assumptions. So, you know, we our main goal is is usually right off the bat to to get people to position their brand or their company as the expert as what the, of what they do um, before we even go to the next level and put their first commercial on the radio. A lot of uh, businesses are run by small businessmen and women who have an expertise in a particular area, and advertising mm-hmm. isn't one of them. In some of those forty questions, you ask some pretty pertinent things about what is, for instance, what is your unique selling uh, position? Mm-hmm. Does that surprise them? Do they have to think about that? Oh, definitely they do. And sometimes even before I meet with them, I like to go to their website and read the history of their business or how they got started is so important because really in, in the radio advertising business, we're storytellers. We're we're basically regurgitating information about their business and presenting it in a way that we know listeners will respond to. But there's so many things that we need to know. And one of my favorite questions that I ask people is, what don't people know about your business? Or what are some misunderstandings about their business that they wish they could tell uh, hundreds of thousands of people that are listening right at that moment? 
It's 2020. A new decade has begun. People are making predictions about the future. Your book also has a chapter on the future of radio. What do you see coming down the road for radio? Well, my favorite three words about it are local, local, local. Um, I get asked every week, what about satellite radio? What about podcasts? What about social media, um, streaming services, Spotify, all that kind of stuff? I love them all. I think that they're all great ways because in most cases, it means that people are still listening to audio. And that's the power of sound in a nutshell. It's something that we really try and focus on. And that's why when a lot of the businesses that I'm, I'm going to visit, I like to play them a sample commercial that we've done for them in advance of even meeting with them to say, what if we told you your story this way? And one of the things about local uh, that makes it uh, local are the ads mm-hmm. and the uh, advertisers who are there. If you listen to a radio station, you get a picture of the community from the advertising that's there, even though some of the content may be much the same as a station in Texas. That's right. I mean, most of the the live and local announcers from each station, they, they live in the same community as the listener does. They support their stores. They support their events. They they buy their vehicles there. And, and that's something that you can't necessarily get from a big national campaign on a, on one of another type of media. So we have to make sure that, that our announcers at our radio station are in the community. They're attending charitable events. They're helping raise money for whether it be the food bank or, or anything like that. And, and so it, that's one really important part is putting a local voice behind the needs of the community. DJ, if there's a a business out there who's thinking about radio advertising, how much time should they plan to spend with a radio sales consultant and how many should they, how would they select which of the radio consultants in this broad market that they should approach? Well, it's a good question. I mean, I I like to uh, aggressively market myself out in the community, but I have such a great team of of other advertising consultants that that everyone on our team has a strength or a weakness and we've been able to complement each other where um i i sometimes see a, a local advertiser that may not even be a good fit for me but might be for another colleague of mine who who has a who has a real passion for cars or restaurants or non-traditional businesses like a plastic surgeon or something. So um, there has to be a fit where there's a relationship between the person buying and selling the advertising and some trust because a lot of businesses are are investing their very hard-earned marketing dollars into promoting their products and services. And if they're not getting the attention from somebody that really cares – I would bet that the campaign won't work very well. And how much time should you plan on spending? Um, well, you know, I usually find that that a solid half an hour, an, an hour can be good for the first initial meeting where, um, you know, in the radio business, we have two ears and one mouth, right? So we like to do li- a lot of listening when we're learning about what our clients' needs and goals are. And so what I like to do is is 
have a conversation, gather some information, and then be able to go back to them with a suggestion of what we learned and how we would try and tell that story in whether it be 30 seconds or 15 seconds. It's possible. Well, thanks for telling your story here this morning, DJ. Thank you. You're listening to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with uh, guest co-host Chris Lavoie, and we've been talking with DJ Williams, advertising sales consultant with Chorus Radio. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Chris Lavoie, who's operations manager at the Better Business Bureau of Serving Western Ontario. The Better Business Bureau has been helping people find businesses they can trust for more than 100 years. Businesses that support the Better Business Bureau adhere to accreditation standards that include sound advertising, selling, and customer service practices. And we've been talking about advertising today. And when it comes to advertising, Chris, there's a lot for the consumer to sort out. So, yes, um, it's estimated that we hear or see more than 5,000 ads every single day. So when it comes to advertising, accredited businesses commit to standards that are truthful, sincere offers to sell. Um, The standards state that advertisers have a responsibility to be able to substantiate all claims made and should be able to provide that substantiation upon request. As well, all advertising that may mislead or deceive consumers should be avoided. And from a consumer's point of view, uh, I guess it's always good to put on your critical thinking cap when you're reading or hearing any any ads. Of course. And if you visit the BBB website, you'll find an exercise that tests knowledge of standards and some of those critical thinking skills. Just scroll down to BBB Ad Truth, click, and you'll be taken to the quiz page. All right. There's probably some people who are doing that right now. Um, and I see that we can test our knowledge, learn how to identify bad advertising, and we can also report a bad ad. Uh, how long does this test take? Well, the first quiz, uh, Test Your Knowledge, has a few basic questions. It usually takes less than five minutes to complete. Okay. Give us an idea of, of the nature of the quiz. Sure. Um, well, the first scenario presented says, your coffee cups is eco-friendly, and then asks you under what circumstance might this not be misleading, and gives you four choices. All right. Now we're all set. Sure. Now, remember, we are asking for the circumstances where the statement eco-friendly is not misleading. So there's A... The company won an award for being environmentally conscious. B, the company promised to heat all shops using renewable energy by 2020. C, the cup says in large print, cup made with 3% post-consumer recycled fiber. D, none of the the above. Okay, as I listened to those, my, my first reaction was to pick C. The cup says in large print, cup made with 3% post-consumer recycled fiber. Oh, In that case, you would be among the 24% of respondents who chose that answer. However, 51% agreed that all of those statements are somewhat misleading. Okay, so I should have picked D, none of the above. All right. According to 51%. (laughs) Well, let's try one more then. Yes, so should a business make this claim, you will lose at least 20 pounds in 10 days without diet or exercise. Your choices are yes or no. Okay, so that narrows down choices, and I'd pick no. And you would be right. Outlandish claims like this are are likely misleading. 74% of respondents agreed that a business should not make that claim. So if we want to complete the quiz and the other questions that are there, there, Chris, where should we go? Okay, so you go to bbb.org slash Western Ontario and scroll down to the bottom of the page. Click on BBB Ad Truth. 
In addition to this quiz, you'll be able to access information on how to identify bad advertising and how to report bad ads. And once you're able to report bad ads, is that something that uh, people can do, can call into our office to report a bad ad or report it online? Absolutely. BBB has been handling cases of misleading advertising since it began in 1912. So absolutely. People could either give us a call, they could email, they could go on our website and and submit what they feel is a misleading ad and we'll review it. And what what happens then with that review? Well, I mean, it depends on the circumstance. Um, In most cases, uh, we do what's called an advertising review where we provide the company an opportunity to either substantiate or discontinue or modify the claim. In the event the company chooses not to cooperate with the Better Business Bureau, then it becomes part of the public BBB business profile. Well, Chris, that's our time for Ask BBB, and thank you very much for joining me this morning as our co-host. Remember, you could contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBBWesternONT. If you have a question or a guest suggestion, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And if you are interested in becoming a BBB-accredited business, call us or go online to bbb.org slash western hyphen Ontario and become part of one of the largest business networks in North America. Until next time, I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Chris Lafoy. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.